Last, last weekend was so powerful. If you weren't here, um, I just want to just encourage you on a couple things. And, and Pastor Eddie Freeman, who is the, our overseer at Thrive Church um, from the Gate, Gateway Church Network, he was here with us all weekend long. I think we wore people out. And uh, we had a Friday night men's meeting, which was just amazing. And he just challenged the guys. It was strong, right, guys, those that were there. I mean, it was like Eddie was like, you know, no, no holes, no punches held back. He just went straight for it. And then, and then Saturday, he, he went um, and met with us here with our serve teams, and we had a great time there. And, and, uh, and then Sunday, he preached for us an amazing message talking about pressing into your pain. And it actually ties into our series that we're in, that finding strength and weakness, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But he and I talked about it, and he wanted to kind of stay in theme with um, where we were at as a church and what we were teaching and preaching. And I'm just telling you, I've told several people this that weren't able to make it last week, like go and go under our website, ithrivechurch.org, and listen to that message. It was so powerful and timely that I just want to encourage you to take advantage of that, listen to it, get it into your spirit, get it into your heart, and let it bring healing to your heart. I grew up in an environment in my church world where, like, you weren't supposed to acknowledge pain. You weren't supposed to acknowledge weakness. It was just kind of like faith it through. We just kind of push through. And not that we want to camp there. And Eddie talked about that. We, we want to go through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't want to build a lake house. Right, everybody? So there's, it's something to go through, but you got to process it or, or, there's, or there's the potential for it to affect your life. And one of, the, one of the phrases he used last week, and it kind of ties in today a little bit, but he talked about the fact that hurt people hurt people. And if you, if you are somebody that's never dealt with your personal wounds, your healings, and the inter, you know, your inner healing and the things that, that just you build up in life, the baggage that you build up, then much of your life can be driven by those wounds and those hurts and not even realize that you're responding to people a certain way because of things that happen to you in your life. Now, I grew up rejecting that because I'm like, man, I don't want to live in the past. I, don't, I still don't want to live in the past. But how many know I don't want the past to live in me? And the only way to make sure that happens is to process the pain that we have going on. I want to also just kind of like clarify a couple things. So Eddie shared last week something um, for my wife and I that we're going to begin get to do over this summer. And if you weren't here, I want to I let you know what it is and also to give a little bit of clarity. Because um, we've connected with Gateway about two years ago. And we're still learning some of the things they encourage us to do and how it works. And, and um, we, we've been talking for some time. They've been talking to us about creating a culture of rest within our church, about honoring the Sabbath. And I've always believed in honoring the Sabbath. We teach it and, and preach it, and I believe it's such a powerful way for God to, to just strengthen you and to refuel you. Um, one of the things they do, though, is all of their lead pastors and their lead teams in the churches they serve, they encourage them to take a six- to eight-week sabbatical. And so I grew up with sabbatical being code like something's wrong with the pastor. we got to get him out of the pulpit. That's not the case here. So they've been talking to us about this for, for a while, and he said, you've been in ministry 28 years. How many sabbaticals have you taken in 28 years? And I told him, zero, bupkis, none. And he's like, Pastor, you got to take a sabbatical. So I said, okay, I'll do it, I'll do it. And so we've been talking about it. And I, here's what I was planning it to be. I was like, I'm going to take four Sundays where I don't preach. And I told, I was in the, actually explaining this in our Saturday meeting with Eddie and our serve team. And I said, hey, these four weeks, um, I'm not going to preach. But, you know, if I'm in town, I'll be in church. We're going we're gonna to spend some time away. And he interrupts me in the middle of it, and very, just, you know, respectfully. But he says, Pastor, that's not kind of how this works. 
I said, okay, I'll, Eddie, I have a feeling you're going to tell me how it works in front of all of our serve teams. And kind of like, he didn't embarrass me, but like, you know, kind of like, yeah, you're not getting out of this one. And uh, he said, actually, I wanted you to take eight weeks, but I'll settle for six. And I looked over at my wife, and I saw the tilt in her brain, because it was the same tilt in my brain. And I'm like, okay. And, and I stopped him. I said, well, I'm going to call. Like, I don't play poker, but like, you ever play poker? Like, I'm going to call your hand right now at six, because I, I, I don't see eight. He's like, okay, I'll stop at six, but he said, I'm going to take it a step further. Um, during those six weeks, you and your wife, we don't really want you to be at Thrive Church. And I could see my wife's eyes like really go into overload tilt. And I'm racing in my brain, like how in the world are we going to do that? But I believe this, we've invited Gateway to come in and be authority in our life. And they've been respectful to it. They don't demand anything. But I believe this, that if I'm going to be in authority, I've got to be submitted to authority. And so, and I'll tell you as, as your pastor, for those that, that thrive as your home church, my brain was, was overload tilt, like how in the world can I do this? But my spirit was leaping with the affirmation of the Holy Spirit. And so even though in my understanding, I'm like, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this for six weeks. I don't know. This is, you know, we're not a huge church. We don't have a huge deep bench right now. Um, I should say we're not a huge church yet. But, but God, how, how are we going to do this? But my spirit was just like, yes, yes, yes. This is, this is what I want you to do. So we've decided we're going to, we, we've accepted it and we're going to do it. And we, our sabbatical actually starts, I'll be back preaching next week. And it starts in June to the 17th of July. We'll be my next Sunday back into the pulpit. And how many know it's going to be a long service. Everybody bring lunch. I'm going to be here for a while. But a couple of things I want to just kind of clarify for you guys about, about the sabbatical. It's not, it's not a break from church. Like my wife and I will be in church. They just encourage us for it not to be thrive. Because when we're here, we can't help but think about the work of the ministry. It's pretty much impossible. And what they're asking us to do is to not take a break from God, not take a break from the church, not take a break from the things of God, but to take a break from the work of the ministry that you're responsible for. And so my wife and I will attend church in one way or another. Either we'll go visit some churches or we will do church online. But they've even encouraged us, don't do online church for Thrive because all you're going to be thinking is they missed that transition, they messed up that point, they didn't do this, they forgot that, which our team would never do that. This is Eddie speaking to me. I know you guys won't miss anything. So one, some people thought like we were closing the church for six weeks. No, we, we, we are not closing the church. We have pastors and elders in the church that will be here during those six weeks that are going to facilitate ministry, meet your spiritual needs. If you have anything, you can still reach out to the church, and we have people that will be able to help you and reach out to you and minister to you. It does a couple things for us as a church. One, it helps your pastor deal with his own weakness and issues. How many know I'm human like everybody else? And so it's a time for my wife and I to heal and strengthen, especially after very two, two challenge, very challenging years as well as for God to begin to fill us up and get us ready for the next season of ministry. Because I believe this with all of my heart, that God wants to do something in the land. We said this in the beginning of the year, and that we wanted to be a church that was postured, that would leave the past behind us and move forward to the future of what God has for the body of Christ. And our desire is to be in the flow of what God's doing. And I feel like this is God's way of saying, hey, I want to prepare you for this time to be able to be ready for what I'm doing. And so here's what we're asking our church to do. When you're in town, come and be a part. You make a difference. When you show up for church, it blesses and ministers other people. And one, of the, one of the purposes of the sabbatical is to remind the pastor that the church is bigger than him. 
Come on, somebody. And I know that intellectually, but how many know functionally sometimes I may not live that way. And so this is kind of a way to say, hey, I believe that our church can thrive and grow and, and increase spiritually, physically, in every way over these six weeks before we're gone. Because the church is not built on any one person. It's a body. It's a foundation of Christ with a body of people. And you have, you have people that are going to step up and be a part of it. So I want to encourage you. If you go on vacation, go and rest. But don't, just like me, when you go on vacation, don't take a rest from Jesus. Don't take a rest from your faith and your prayer life. It's a time to restore that and to renew that. And so I'm going to ask you to show up, and I'm going to ask you to be a part, and I'm going to ask you to pray, and I'm going to ask you to believe God to just begin to solidify the foundation of this church to be everything that God's called it to be. Amen, everybody? All right. Yeah, give God praise. That's cool. Thank you. I know that was a long, that was a long little dissertation, but I want to get into today's message in and so we've been in the series strength, strength and weakness, and the key verse has been this, that, that, that Paul prayed this prayer. He said, God said this to Paul when Paul was going through some struggle. He had the thorn in the flesh. We talked about that where a messenger from Satan that was buffeting him, and it was like every time he tried to do something, it felt like he was dealing with a spiritual attack or somebody was coming against him. And he just came to God like three times, can you make this stop? And God just simply said to him each time, he said, my grace is all that you need. My power works best in weakness. So now Paul said, I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. And so he recognizes that grace is God's power working through him. That grace is God's, is God's empowerment to be able to deal with the thorn in the side and the wounds and process the pain and deal with the frustrations of life and, and to be able to, to, to face the things that you and I face on a daily basis. And, and Paul, Paul was saying, I feel, he used a word called buffet. And it's not buffet, you know, everybody in the South likes a little a good old buffet, right? And sometimes a buffet can be a buffet too, but, but a buffet is like you try and it's like every time you try to do something, every time you try to accomplish something, every time you try to live for Jesus or do what's right, it's like, man, I'm getting hit here, I'm getting hit there, I'm just getting buffeted, I'm getting beat up. And, and, and Paul was like, God, can you just make this stop? And Paul, God didn't tell Paul, just learn how to deal with the beatings. That's not what he was saying. He was saying, no, what I want you to do is acknowledge the weakness and that your inability to deal with this and then tap into my power, my grace, because my grace will cause you to overcome the buffeting of the world, the, the beatings that, that, that the world wants to put upon you just for waking up. How many know you don't have to look for it? You just wake up and, man, things want to boom, hit you, boom, stop you. And that's why we've got to deal with our own stuff because if we don't, we're walking around broken and bruised and beat up and we've not let the Lord heal us. And now what happens is, is every relationship that we have is being filtered through our brokenness and not the grace and strength of God because we've not had it in our life. And so now we're trying to do relate, have relationships with others and we, we seem to like can't seem to do it. Anybody, anybody but me say, hey, sometimes it's hard to be, to be in a relationship with other people. Am I the only one? Right? Like people are different. You hear this all, I, I've, I've, I've said this, like church would be easy without people, right? It'd be easy. But what's the purpose, right? It's about people and God coming together. And so what we need is, is today's message, God's grace for others. That's today's message, God's grace for others. Okay, so I'm going to do a little something with you. And I think those that are home, you should be able to see it here on the screen. Um, how many besides me? have to, like, when you get a text message, especially from somebody younger than you, maybe a Gen Zer, right, and they use, they use acronyms, 
Anybody have to look up what the acronym is? I know I have. You know, like, what are they really saying to me? Like, if most people, if you're my age, it makes you mad. Like, oh, man, this is stupid. Like, why, why are they talking to me this way? But you still look it up. You're still Googling. What, what, what does that mean? Okay, so I'm going to give you a couple acronyms and see if you know. What is BRB? Oh, that was easy one. You guys had that one. Okay, just go. You can go with them if they get it. Okay. What is LMK? You guys are really texters. Okay. All right, so you can go. All right. What is NVM? Never mind. Okay, let's forget this whole thing. No, I'm just kidding. What's IDK? Yeah, I don't either, but what is it? No, just kidding. Ha <laughs> ha. Dad joke. You like that, right? Come on. All right. Have one for you. If you know this one, give me a second. Don't shout it out. Okay? This might be new for some of you. All right. What is EGR? Now, now I want to know, because I didn't make this acronym up. This, is go, this goes back some. Just kind of slip your hand if you think you know what it is. I won't, I won't embarrass you even make you say it out loud. I'm just curious. If you think you know what EGR is, anybody here know what EGR is? Anybody? Anybody? This has been around for a little bit, EGR, even before texting. EGR, EGR, nobody, nobody knows, that's good, you know, okay, all right, all right, elephants, no, it's not elephants, all right, here's what EGR stands for, extra grace required, see, there's going to be some people in your life that like, these are the people that just kind of get on your nerves, rub you the wrong way, just agitate you, bug you, just like, you just want to, you, you just want to kill them, until God, they died. Like, I don't know what happened. Like, they, I walked in God, and this is how I found them, right? They frustrate you. They, they just think different than you. They rub you the wrong way, and it's like you're going through life, and, and they're a part of your world, and it's like, oh, gosh, gosh, God, would you just remove this thorn from my side? And God is going to say, EGR, extra grace is required. I got news for you. The reality of it is every single one of us are EGR people. Every one of us. I mean, I love my favorite title of a book ever. Um, the book was okay. The, 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 the title was amazing. It was, it was called Everybody's Normal Until You Get to Know Them. Isn't that true? Like, I don't care who you are. I don't care who they are. I mean, that's why, you know, that's why I don't like to watch, you know, my favorite movie stars get interviewed because by the time you watch them, you're like, wow, they're idiots. I don't want to watch them anymore. Right? And there, there are people in your life that you got to deal with that, you, that need a little extra grace, and it's required. But let me tell you, so do you. I, so do you. I love this. Peter said this. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, you're a chosen generation. Well, that's good. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Well, that's good. Then he says, you're a peculiar people. You know how some translations translate that special. You're a special people. Aren't you special? No, what he's saying is like, you need some EGR. You, there's some, you, there's some, you, you're different. There's something, you're, you, there, you have some idiosyncrasies about you that other people may not like. Anybody have anybody like that in their world? If you don't, it's you. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. And here's the reality of it is, there's every human alive, I've said this for years, including me, has something about their personality, their way of thinking that could make you say, no thank you, and push them away. 
And what God is going to say to you is, EGR, you need some extra grace for this relationship because it's ordained by God, and he's not going to just take it away, but he's going to teach you how, listen everybody, how to have grace for other people. The, Jesus himself had 12 disciples, and his 12 disciples were absolute EGR people. Every time Jesus taught him something, every time he brought him someplace, every time he showed him something, it's like they got it, then they didn't get it. They got it right, and then they messed it up. Anybody identify with that? He had 12 guys. One, one, one denied him. One, one, one um, betrayed him. All of them scattered, but Jesus was still committed to the relationship. He, even after his resurrection, he went and found them, and, and he had a little extra grace for each and every one of them to say, hey, I'm still committed to our relationship because God has empowered me. He's given me a strength to love you and to help you to be what God's called you to be. God, get, The Father gave Jesus the grace that he needed for his EGR people, and he's going to give you the grace for the EGR people in your life and believe that those that need it for you will find that extra grace they need. I want you to read this story, and it's, le it's less about the story um, that's actually the, the, the main point, and that's this boy who, who needs healing. And, 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 and I would love to park there, but I want to get to something in this story that ties into to the message. But, but this is just after the Mount of Tr Transfiguration. Uh, Peter, James, and John were just on the mountain with Jesus. When, when Jesus was transfigured, and then M Moses and Elijah were transfigured, this incredible, powerful, spiritual um, experience just took place, and Jesus and, and Peter, James, and John, they come down the mountain, and in Mark chapter 9, it says this, when they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some of the te teachers of religious law, and they were arguing with them. And when the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. And so Jesus said in verse 16, what are y'all arguing about? Like, what, what's the issue here? And before anybody could respond about what they were arguing, because really we learned later they didn't want to say, one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. In verse 18 he says, Whenever, that, whenever the, this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. The disciples were his, they were, they were in training. They were protégés. They were disciples of Christ to meet this very need of being able to pray for this boy and for this boy to find his healing. But it, sa it says right here, even though they were trained, they had the power to do it. They had the ability to do it. It says they could, they could not do it. There was no grace. There was no power of God to bring healing through this, to this boy through the disciples. And so they go on a little bit further, and, 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 and I want to, before you go to this next verse, before you go to, before you go to that next verse, we can go to 19, I want to remind you, this is Jesus speaking, the Prince of Peace, the same guy that hung on the cross as he was being crucified, enduring the cross and the shame and all of it, saying, Father, forgive them, the most loving man that ever lived. The most gracious man that ever lived is about to say these words to his disciples in verse 19. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? I mean, Jesus himself is like, is a little bit frustrated 
with his disciples, he is like, I kind of want to, I, I would rather go to the cross and the crucifixion than hang out with these guys any longer. Like, this is, this is just no fun. Th- these guys are not getting it. I tell them over and over again, and they make the same mistakes again. And I want you to hear fr- the frustration in his voice because it's there. He's saying, Father, how long, do I, how, how long do I have to put up with these faithless people, these faithless disciples? Man, can I just be done with these guys? Can I just be finished with them? In our life, how many people in our life that we just want to be done with, that we're just like, I just want to, I just want to be, I just, how long do I got to put up with their attitude? How long do I have to put up with their thinking? How long their idiosyncrasies, God? How long, how long, how long, how long, how long? And I believe with all of my heart, God is going to say to you, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm going to give you the extra grace that you need. Because sometimes those people in your life, they're not a hindrance to your calling. But they actually are your calling. And that's what it was for Jesus and his disciples. And so he comes down and he says, what I'm going to do, like, because he's frustrated with them, but he's, I'm going to circle back. And this is how I've tried to approach my life with those that I serve with and those that I work with and ministry and partner with. He starts to try to teach them through it. Like, he's frustrated with them, but he's going to disciple them. How many know God's called us to disciple everybody? And part of the process of discipleship is teaching people through their weakness, teaching people through their idiosyncrasies, helping them to overcome their weaknesses. And, and that's what he's saying to them here. In verse 33, they, they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house. And Jesus asked his disciples, hey, guys, what were you discussing? Really, what were you arguing about on the road just a little bit ago? Nobody re- really answered me. And it says they didn't answer him because they had been arguing about which one was the greatest. And one of the reasons why we're ready to reject people is we just think we're better than them. One of the reasons why we don't have patience for people that have issues and baggage and idiosyncrasies and we want to separate ourselves from them because at the end of the day, we just think that we're, we're the greater, we're the better, we're, we're better than they are, and why should I invest in somebody who's really not doing anything for me? But yet maybe that's your assignment just like it was for Jesus. He sat down with them, and this was his, his teaching moment. He called the 12 together over to him, and so here's his, here's his EGR for his disciples, right? He's saying, I'm going to give you a little extra grace here, guys. I'm going to teach you through this. He says, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. See, everybody has a desire for greatness in their life. Everyone was created for significance. I like that word better because it, it makes more sense in our world today. And significance, finding meaning, Jesus said, if you really want to be great, if you really want significance in this world, then you've got to learn how to serve others. And if you're going to serve others, it comes with all of the baggage and idiosyncrasies and the frustrations and all of the things that make you want to just cut off relationship and just say, I'm just going to take care of me and mine, forget you, because you're just too much work. Yet Jesus is like, if you really want significance, you can, you can make as much money as you could imagine in your mind, and it won't create significance. The creator of the universe who owns it all said, if you really want to be great, I'm going to tell you how to do it. you got to serve others. 
And if you're going to serve others, it's going to be messy. Things are going to happen. Things aren't going to go the way that you think. You're going to have your own issues in life. Like, like pastoring, that's, that's one of the reasons why I'm taking the sabbatical, because I know I've got issues like everybody. And if I'm going to pastor best, then i got to take care of those issues within me, yes. But every one of us, not just the pastor, is called to serve other people. And it comes with all the differences and the different ways of looking at it and approaching it and the frustrations. And you're going to need a little extra grace if you're going to fulfill the assignment. I want to look at one more verse, and this is in Luke, a couple more verses, but in Luke. And I just want to tie this together because it's a long, it's another gospel. We were looking at Mark, but it's the same storyline. It's like right after the same, the Mount of Transfiguration, the, the boy being healed, Jesus talking about serving one another, and Luke talks about it a little bit different. But I want to show you, like, even the frustration of Jesus. He just got done teaching them this principle of serving others, and they mess up again. Has anybody messed up again? Anybody need a little extra EGR, extra grace required? They certainly did. Look at this. I'm going to read through it, and then I'm going to give you three principles that I believe that will help you in this life find significance and to be able to serve others and to be able to find that in your life. Jesus shows us in this verse, these verses. So it came to pass in verse 51 of Luke 9, it came to pass that when, he, when, when they had come, uh, that it, it had come for him to be received up. And so what that simply means it was, it was time for him to go to the cross and the resurrection to happen. That's what it means to be received up. So his days are, Jesus' earthly ministry is coming to an end. He's only got a little bit of time left with his disciples. He knows that it's time to go to the cross. That time has come. It says that he, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. That's where he was headed to the cross. And he sent messengers before his face, and as they went, they entered this village, this village of Samaritans, to prepare for him. So he sent his disciples to these Samaritans and said, I want you to just like, you know, basically get my accommodations ready. Just, we're not going to stay long, but we need a, maybe an overnight stay, or we need to eat dinner. But we're going to Jerusalem. We're not staying in this city. We're going to move on, but talk to this city, the fathers of this city, to let us stay and get ready to move on to Jerusalem. Verse 53, it says, but they didn't receive him. The Samaritans didn't receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. So they were upset because they he wouldn't stay with them. He, he was on a mission. He was only going to be there for a short period of time and had to move on. So these Samaritans said, no, we're not going to help you. We're not going to have dinner for you. You can't stay here. You just got to keep on going. And when his disciples, James and John, who, by the way, were the ones that were just at the Mount of Transfiguration, they saw that, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just like Elijah? What was he saying? There's no grace here for them. Like, let's just get rid of them. Let's wipe them out. Let's just be done with them. They have become an obstacle to our mission. They didn't do what we wanted. They didn't see it the way we saw it. They didn't, they weren't in agreement and in alignment with what we're doing with our life. So let's just go ahead and just wipe them out. We've seen a lot of that in the world in the church, right, everybody? Somebody doesn't agree with us exactly about everything, we'll just wipe them out. And here's what Jesus said. But he turned to them, rebuked them, and said, You've not known what manner of spirit you are. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And he just went to another village. He says, that's okay, we'll just keep moving on. We don't, we don't have to stay here. 
But I want to look at three principles from, from this verse, these verses, that I believe that will help each of us have a little extra EGR. When we recognize that our calling, our purpose is tied to this, significance is found in serving other people. And if you want to find significance in this life, then you need to, you need to find the EGR for the people in your, for the others in your life that just rub you the wrong way, that get on your nerves, that you just want to be done with, that maybe they're your assignment. The first is that you got to know who you are. He said, you don't, know, you don't know what manner of spirit you are. Insecurity, not knowing who you are, will cause you to reject other people in your life. When you don't know who you are in Christ, you have the wrong definition of greatness. Like you're pursuing life and you think it's about one thing, but when you know who you are in Christ, you recognize that your identity is found not in your perception, but it's found in Jesus when you don't know who you are in Christ, you have no tolerance for people who don't agree with you. You have no grace for them. Many times because when you don't know who you are, it's like you are just, you are, you are holding on to your own identity. And anybody who rocks that boat, you just reject instantly because you're afraid like that waiter who's carrying the perfectly balanced tray and doesn't want one, one thing to be moved because if it does, all of it's going to be dropped. And so it's so much easier to be like, man, I got, I got my own problems. I got my own struggles. Why am I going to invite other people who have issues and idiosyncrasies, and why am I going to invest in their life when I've got my own stuff? And when we live that way, it's because we don't know that our acceptance is found in Jesus, that our security is found in him, our mission and our purpose and our call, everything that we are is found in him. And just because somebody comes in my world that thinks differently or doesn't receive me, it doesn't, it doesn't devalue or it doesn't negate who I am in Christ. And when I know that, I'm not moved by somebody who sees it differently. you got to know who you are in Christ. The second thing I see in this story is you got to know what your assignment is. Jesus said, we didn't come to destroy but to save. Like he, he's like, like you, you just, you, 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 you just don't know what you're, what, what you're supposed to be doing. And you, you want to kill what should live. When I'm here to help things that, that, that are dead come alive. And when you know your assignment, when you know that God's called you to this, when you know that it's tied to these other people to be able to reach them and love them, when you recognize that is the assignment, that is the calling of God, that is what God is asking you to do in life. Yes, he wants us to press into our pain, and he wants us to find healing for ourselves, and he wants us to overcome the issues of our life. At the same time, your whole existence isn't about your maintenance. And you've got to find healing and strength so that you can move forward with what God has called you to do. And God didn't call you to reach people that have their life in a nice little bow package that just looks like you, sounds like you, talks like you, and flows in the rhythms of your life. But no, God's going to call you to go where it's messy and it's, 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 it's inconvenient and it's, it's, it's a disruption to what you had attended, but it was God's actual assignment for your life. And you're going to be in, in, in a conversation with somebody and, and you're like, this person is really getting on my last nerve. Anybody got a last nerve, right? This person is really bugging me. And you're going to say, God, take me out of this. And he's going to say, no. I've brought to such a time as this. Now I need you to tap into 
that grace that we talked about, that in your weakness to deal with them, in your weakness to tolerate them, in your weakness to love them, my grace is the power that you need to reach them. And third and the last thing that we see is this, is that, that grace, you'll have grace for others when, you're, when eternity is your focus. It, it just is. Jesus said, look, you guys are, you're, you're getting all uptight about the fact that they wouldn't make a meal for us or, or, or they wouldn't provide a room for us or whatever it was they were asking for. You're, 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 you're twisted about that. My eyes are fixed on Jerusalem, the cross. And when I think about eternity and I recognize that eternity is, is on the line for people and I realize that it's not about me having a good day or somebody disrupting my life or somebody ruffling my feathers or somebody not doing it the way that I would do it. And I realize that my backdrop of what I view of my lens is eternity. It makes their idiosyncrasies very small in compared to the eternity that I'm viewing life through. And Jesus said he had, he, he steadfast. That term means this, that he was so determined. His eyes were so fixed on eternity, so fixed on salvation, so fixed on providing a path to God the Father. That there was nothing in this world, not even the cross itself, that could keep him from going to that place. Because his eyes were fixed on eternity. And he was willing to put up with 12 guys, one of which totally betrayed him, and still washed his feet and served him and loved him, tried to help him. His disciples, Peter and, and James and John, all fled. Peter denied him. And as soon as he was raised from the dead, the very first thing he did is he came to them and said, hey, I got a little more grace for you guys. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Jesus showed every single one of us that extra grace that we need. And I'm so grateful that God didn't give up on me the first time I messed up and the second time that I messed up and the third time that I messed up. But every time, his grace pursued me in my brokenness and my weakness. I wonder, I wonder who, who in your world is God just saying, hey, would you be my grace extended? Would you just love them, not because they deserve it, just because they need it? And I know they're aggravating, and I know they agitate, and I know that, like, it disrupts your flow, and it, it disrupts your ideas, it disrupts your, what, you're, what you've got going on. But would you, I want you to keep your eyes fixed on eternity, and they're a part of that. And would you take them as an assignment? And I've had many people in my life that God has just spotlighted and said, there you go. There's your assignment. We had one guy in our church years ago, he's not here anymore, or I wouldn't use it because you would think I'm talking about you or somebody, somebody else, but um, most of you wouldn't know him, but he was working with our media department, and I mean, this guy was just like a pain, negative about everything. He created, I mean, everyone in our world, pastor, get rid of him, get rid of him. Just don't, take them off. Don't just get rid of them. But he was like a spotlight on him, and I just had a love for him. And I just said, God, here, here's my assignment. I'm going to minister to him as long as he'll allow me, allow me to. And I'm going to try and teach him through it, and I'm going to try to help him through it. 
And I can tell you sometimes people get it and sometimes they don't. But that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to show the grace of God to others, even though they don't deserve it, because that's exactly what I receive. Amen, everybody. I'm going to ask Otis to come up. First Peter says this in 4.10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And that word manifold means many-sided, many, many flows, many flavors, many looks. And my assignment may not be like if God highlights a person in my life that I'm to minister to and I'm to love no matter what, they may not be your highlighted assignment. God's not asking you to invest in everyone. But he is asking you, when he, when he shows you, this is, this is your assignment. I've given you this grace. I've given you this gift to steward it well. To minister to the needs of others. And when you and I begin to live in that grace, where we minister, we take what God gave us, and we give it to others. That's the greatness that Jesus said y'all are looking for. That's the significance that you were arguing about who's the greatest. And he demonstrated a life of serving others that didn't deserve it, didn't even want it, rejected it. But he knew it was his assignment. And he continued, and he continued until some of them got it. Some of them didn't. But God's the one who gives life to the gift. He's asking you and I to be that vehicle, that vessel, that His grace, His power could be extended to others. And you might be here today and you might be in that place where you feel like, man, I'm, I'm beat up myself. I need, I need a little bit of that EGR myself. I get it. God wants to give that to you. And he's going to give it to you so that you can be whole and so that you can be a dispenser of his manifold grace to a broken world. I want to pray for you this morning, if you'd let me. Those that are worshiping online, I want to pray for you too. That God's grace would be extended to you, that his presence would be sensed right where you are, and that you would know that you know that his grace is towards you. If you're separate from God today, maybe you've allowed something into your life or you've never committed your life to Christ, I want to invite you to receive the gift of forgiveness, which is God's grace that comes through Jesus. And when you receive that gift, he's going to give you the, the, the significance that you've been looking for. And it's going to be taking that same gift and giving it to other people. Those that are worshiping online or watching online, if you're not in a position where you're in a relationship with God, I want to invite you to receive God's grace this morning. In this room, I want you to receive God's grace. And you can do that. I want you to say this prayer out loud. And all those that are Christ followers, let's pray this with them. And let's ask for God's grace of forgiveness and restoration through Jesus. Say these words out loud, loud enough that you can hear them. Say, Heavenly Father, 
I thank you, love, you that you love me so much that you sent Jesus, the Son of God, to become the Son of Man. And he took my place on the cross. Because he was without sin, you raised him from the dead, making a way for us to be in relationship with you. So by faith, I receive the gift of forgiveness. And I ask Jesus to come into my life, to be my king, and to be my savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, everybody. Can we give God praise this morning for his grace? His grace is sufficient for you. I'm so excited what God is doing in your life and through your life through this series. And I pray that you'll take some time to let God speak to your heart. I think there's some people that have been running from their assignment. They've been running from the greatness that God wants to bring into their life. And he wants you to run right into it and to receive the grace for the assignment for the others that he's called you to. Amen, everybody. Let's stand to our feet for just a moment. If you're worshiping online and if you're a guest with us today, I want you to know at Thrive, one of the things that we like to do at the end of the service is we like to pray and ask God to show us, like, what are, what are you saying to us through this word today? What are you saying to me through this message and through your word? And then whatever that is, what we want you to do is to receive it, embrace that grace, let God fill you with his spirit, let his grace just, just fill you, overflowing, and then go home and use it for his glory and for his honor. So I want to pray a prayer of, of, of benediction over you and then just take 30 seconds with us as we close out in this worship song and let God speak to your heart. And so today, if, you're, if you've given online or you're giving today through the tithe boxes, we want to pray over that as well. And if you're new at Thrive, there's three ways you can give. And we want to thank you for your grace to give. It's helped us to be able to do all the things that God has called us to do. And I believe that his grace responds back to you by meeting even your physical needs. And so let's pray today over those things. Father, we thank you for this day. I pray that your word would not return void, but it would accomplish all that you intended. I thank you for your grace that fills us to overflowing. And we declare today that your kingdom come and your will be done in our hearts. That you would reveal to us our assignment. Help us to live in the grace that you provided. And help us, Lord, to have grace for others. And we want to bring glory to Jesus as eternity is our focus. Thank you for every gift, every tithe, every offering. God, I pray that you would multiply it back into the life of the giver. And Father, that there would be more than enough to meet every need. And we give you honor. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, everybody. Let's take a few minutes. Let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Go!
Thank you.